Hello, friends, and welcome to Into the Word, a radio and online program committed to reading, loving, and living the whole counsel of God. I'm your host and Bible guide, Pastor Paul Carter. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Hope you have your Bible open in front of you today to Psalm 68. I love how Derek Kidner introduces this psalm. He says, This rushing cataract of a psalm, one of the most boisterous and exhilarating in the Psalter, may have been composed for David's procession with the ark from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. (laughs) I think that is true, and I don't imagine I'll be able to improve upon it. The psalm was often used in the Jewish Feast of Weeks and then later in Christian celebrations of Pentecost. Hear now the word of the Lord, beginning with the ascription and then proceeding to verse 1. To the choir master, a psalm of David, a song. God shall arise, his enemies shall be scattered, and those who hate him shall flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so you shall drive them away. As wax melts before fire, so the wicked shall perish before God. One of the truths we meet most frequently in the Bible is the truth that the holiness of God and the sinfulness of people simply cannot coexist. One must be eliminated from the universe. God has a settled antagonism towards sin. You see, it isn't as though God has a temper tantrum whenever we sin. It isn't that he lashes out. He has a settled antagonism towards sin. It is more like reverse magnetism. The holiness of God presses forth in antagonism towards the sin that abides in the human heart. That's why the blood of Jesus has to wipe away and obliterate human sin. There can be no trace of it left upon us. Without holiness, no one can see the Lord. The brightness of his presence would attack any lingering molecule of human sin, and you would be disintegrated in an instant. It must all be gone. Because when God arises... When the trumpet sounds and the Lord descends, all sin and all sinners will be driven from the earth. Jesus said that in Matthew 13. He said, just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Old Testament and new, this is the consistent teaching of the Bible. Verse 3, but the righteous shall be glad. They shall exult before God. They shall be jubilant with joy. Now, some people would say that this is a sub-Christian response to the judgment of God. But is it? Listen, are we not told to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? What are we praying for when we pray for that? Are we not praying for the coming of the Lord with all of its entailments, such as we just read about in Matthew 13? Of course we are. And as terrible as it will be, it will also be glorious and marvelous and right. When we see things the way we should, We will all agree 
that what God does is just and appropriate and good. We will affirm and rejoice in the judgments of Almighty God, just as the angels do now in heaven. When we see things the way they see things, with that same clarity and perspective, then we will respond as they do. When they see the judgments of God, the Bible says in Revelation 4.11, when they see the judgments of God, they say, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. You, you made this world, Lord. You made it good, and you made it fair, and when it fell, you even made a way home. And any who reject you ought not to remain upon it. Just like the angels, we will rejoice in the judgments of the Lord, as David does, and as John foretells. Verse 4, Sing to God, sing praises to his name, lift up a song to him who rides through the deserts. His name is the Lord, exalt before him. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God, in his holy habitation, God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. Psalm 68 is structured around the historic acts of God's redemption. It begins with the Exodus and moves towards the eschatological vision of the eternal kingdom of God. Basically, it assumes that God is who he is and he will never change. Therefore, as he was in the past, so shall he be in the future. In the past, he went with us through the desert. He put us into families. He made us a community. And he fed us when there was no food to be found. That's who he was. And so that is who he will be. He will make of his covenant children a family. He will give us a home. He will make us prosper. And he will be our father. That is a good summary of the past. But it's also a very accurate picture of the future. It sounds a lot like Revelation 21 and 22. John says in Revelation 21, 3 to 4, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. As he was in the past, so shall he be in the future and forever. Thanks be to God. Verse 7. O God, when you went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth quaked, the heavens poured down rain before God, the one of Sinai, before God, the God of Israel. Rain in abundance, O God, you shed abroad. You restored your inheritance as it languished. Your flock found a dwelling in it. In your goodness, O God, you provided for the needy. The Lord gives the word. The women who announce the news are a great host. The kings of the armies, they flee, they flee. The women at home devour the spoil. Though you men lie among the sheepfolds, the wings of a dove covered with silver, its pinions with shimmering gold, when the Almighty scatters kings there, let snow fall on Zalman. Most scholars assume that David is referring here to the mighty rainstorm that defeated Sisera 
and effected redemption in the time of Barak and Deborah, and then the song that Deborah wrote in reflection. You can read that story and her song in Judges 4 to 5. Verse 15. O mountain of God, mountain of Bashan, O many-peaked mountain, mountain of Bashan, why do you look with hatred, O many-peaked mountain, at the mount that God desired for his abode? Yes, where the Lord will dwell forever. The chariots of God are twice ten thousand. Thousands upon thousands. The Lord is among them. Sinai is now in the sanctuary. In these verses, David is reflecting and rejoicing over the mystery of election. God chooses the weak things of the world to shame the wise. The contrast here is between the mighty, multi-peaked mountain of Bashan, which God didn't choose, and tiny, insignificant Zion, which he did choose. The Lord is with Zion. He defends and encamps around those whom he has chosen. He is Yahweh Sabaoth, God of armies. Thanks be to God. Verse 18. You ascended on high, leading a host of captives in your train and receiving gifts among men, even among the rebellious, that the Lord God may dwell there. Now, remember that this is the psalm that was composed for the delivery of the ark up into Jerusalem. Jerusalem was a city on a hill. This is a victorious ascent. God went up in victory and gave gifts to men. The ESV has receiving gifts from men. The Old Testament translations actually differ a bit here. The Hebrew texts upon which our English Old Testament is based do, in fact, have receiving from, which would line up with the story as we have it. There were sacrifices given in abundance on that day. God did ascend through a procession of costly gifts, which he received from men. But gifts were also given on that day by God to men. And the LXX, the Greek translation of the Old Testament that was widely used in the early church, puts the emphasis there. The Apostle Paul quotes that version in Ephesians 4, 8, when he says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Ephesians 4, 8. Tim Keller says here, Paul saw this as a picture of a greater ascension in which Christ delivers us from sin and death and then shares with us the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Closed quote. I think that's exactly right. David was a type of Christ. David marched with the ark up into Zion and gave gifts to God and gave gifts to the people on behalf of God. And Christ has done the same. He has offered up the gift of his life to God for us. And he has given us the gift of his spirit from God to us. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and that's where David goes next. Look at verse 19. Blessed be the Lord who daily bears us up. God is our salvation. Our God is a God of salvation. And to God, the Lord belongs deliverances from death. But God will strike the heads of his enemies, the hairy crown of him who walks in his guilty ways. The Lord said, I will bring them back from Bashan. I will bring them back from the depths of the sea, that you may strike your feet in their blood, that the tongues of your dogs may have their portion from the foe. Again, Derek Kidner is at his best here. He says, 
While death is apparently a domain with many entrances and no exit, God has made it one from which he brought me forth into a broad place. Amen. That's good. God has saved us. He's saved us from death. He's been generous to us. He's given us gifts. He's lifted us out of death and despair and treated us as royal sons and daughters. Hallelujah. What a Savior. What a God. And what a Psalm. Verse 24. Your procession is seen, O God, the procession of my God, my King, into the sanctuary, the singers in front, the musicians last, between them virgins playing tambourines, Bless God and the great congregation, the Lord, O you who are Israel's fountain. There is Benjamin, the least of them in the lead, the princes of Judah in their throng, the princes of Zebulun, the princes of Naphtali. Here he sees and celebrates the gathering of all Israel to praise and honor the Lord. It reminds me of Revelation 7, 9, when John says, After this I looked, and Behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. It's a good thing to see God's people praising the Lord and sharing in his marvelous victory. If David was excited about that, how much more ought we to be? Verse 28. Summon your power, O God, the power, O God, by which you have worked for us, Because of your temple at Jerusalem, kings shall bear gifts to you. Rebuke the beasts that dwell among the reeds, the herd of bulls with the calves of the peoples. Trample underfoot those who lust after tribute. Scatter the peoples who delight in war. Nobles shall come from Egypt. Cush shall hasten to stretch out her hands to God. David now widens his view and sees and celebrates a still wider gathering of worshipers. He sees kings and he sees the nations. Again, we cannot help but be reminded of scenes from the book of Revelation. Listen to Revelation 21, 24 to 26. The kings of the earth will bring their glory into it and its gates will never be shut by day. There'll be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. John sees what David sings. Thanks be to God. Verse 32. O kingdoms of the earth, sing to God, sing praises to the Lord, to him who rides in the heavens, the ancient heavens. Behold, he sends out his voice, his mighty voice. Ascribe power to God, whose majesty is over Israel and whose power is in the skies. Awesome is God from his sanctuary, the God of Israel. He is the one who gives power and strength to his people. Blessed be God. A day will come when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father forever. There will be a great throng, too numerous for anyone to count, from every tribe, tongue, and nation on the earth, gathered around the throne of God, 
ascribing power and majesty to his name, calling him the God of Israel and also our Father. Thanks be to God. And thank you for listening to Into the Word. If you are interested in additional resources or previous episodes and series, you can find those over the website at www.intotheword.ca. Of course, the easiest way to make use of all the material we have at Into the Word is by getting a hold of our app. You can find that at the Apple App Store or Google Play, and it very helpfully organizes all the materials that we've produced over the years. You can also connect with us on Facebook, and I hope that you do that. We have a growing community of Bible readers over there, and we post daily encouragements, conversation starters. I'd love to see you there. And I hope to see you again real soon, right here, for another episode of Into the Word. Into the Word.